Happy Friday. It's time for the Richard Skipper Friday Wrap-Up Show. Who and what are you celebrating today? Richard Skipper believes every day is worth celebrating. But today, we wrap up the week with a dose of positivity. You never know who might show up or what might happen. So get ready. Your skipper is now coming on board, and we are ready to set sail. All aboard. Happy Friday, everyone, and happy flip-flop day. Now, this is not flip-flop day as in uh, government flip-flopping. This is flip-flop as in it's time to get ready for summer, which is coming up next week. I grew up in Myrtle Beach or just outside of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. My dear friend Sherry Callahan is here who lives in Myrtle Beach uh, now. We've never met. Uh, but we have met through uh, the magic of uh, technology. Uh, She lives in Myrtle Beach, but I grew up there. Uh, I left when I was 18 years old to come to New York. Uh, And uh, I have not been home since before COVID. So it's been almost five years since I was last in uh, Myrtle Beach. But I grew up uh, go. Uh, I grew up uh, working at Grand Strand Amusement Park. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, today is also the anniversary of the Cyclone uh, in Coney Island opening. Uh, and I grew up, I was petrified of roller coasters. Uh, when I was uh, in around 17, uh, I had a crush uh, on uh, this girl that I worked with. And yes, it was a girl that I had a crush on. And uh, I loved her so much that uh, I agreed to ride the roller coaster with her on my last night uh, at Grand Strand Amusement Park. So we all get on the roller coaster. And just as we got on the roller coaster, uh, they strapped me in and everybody got off and they sent me around uh, by myself. I have never been so petrified in my life. I've never been on a roller coaster since then. Uh, and uh, I've never dated a girl since then either. So <laughs> that's the funny thing about that. But it's a true story, you know. But I uh, I love uh, summer. I love the beach. I am uh, going to be uh, performing in Provincetown. Uh, I am very excited to tell. I'm going to bring this up. I'm going to be performing at the Post Office Cafe on August 5th, which is the actual anniversary of my arriving in New York. I have this show called The Magic of Believing. But this show is going to be very centric to my years in Provincetown. Uh, But the last time that I, well, when I first did this show in New York, uh, I had an incredible closing number that was written by two incredible men. And one of them happens to be here right now. I'm going to bring him on right now. Michael Colby, I am so thrilled that you're here. You and Alex Colby wrote my closing number uh, for The Magic of Believing. And uh, so you're like a good luck term for me. Alex Alex Ryback. Uh, What did I say? I think you said Alex Colby. Oh, well, uh, uh, Alex Ryback. (laughs) (laughs) Alex Ryback. Of course it's Alex Ryback. Uh, That's where my brain went. But uh, first of all, uh, how are you? Who or what are you celebrating? And uh, are you a summer or beach person? Oh, God, no. (laughs) Um, I'm strictly winter. Um, You you, you know... um, 
there's a song that Jamie DeRoy sings about Jews don't camp. Right. Well, I went away to sleepaway camp, and I and I I could have swum back if the lake were long enough. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, but I do have a picture of you on the beach. Here you are. You yes, Camp Swago. <laughs> you don't look too petrified. This was the camp I. This was the camp I liked. The camp I didn't like was the one they wanted me to go back to. This this was the summer I had met Lerner and why well, I I spoke to Lerner and Lowe who were writing Camelot at the Algonquin, which was um, my family owned it from 1946 to 1987, and they and and, and Frederick Lowe told me, you know, you'd be perfect for the page in Camelot. And I said, I would, oh, I love that. What's what's a page? And uh, then um, I went to Camp Suego and I got all the leads in all the shows. And uh, when I came back, um, I they cast a professional whom I met at a, at a party. I think you were there. Um, and um, I didn't go there, but um, I went to the opening night of Camelot. That was my consolation prize in my first opening night, which I will never forget. So um, thank you, Cam, for leading to that somehow. <laughs> but I mean, you are, as uh, everyone, uh, you've been on the show a few times, and we've talked about the fact that you are the Algonquin kid. You have a show about your growing up in the Algonquin Hotel. Uh, thank God they've gone back to having some music there. Kate yeah. Sullivan is there again, thank God. Thank and so, so uh, I'm glad that they're bringing some semblance of that back. Um, but you also, you've got a lot of, I mean, you haven't stopped. Uh, you continue to write and you've got a big project that you're working on now that you we're going to talk about. It, it has been a very prolific time for me. Um, um, last year um, at um, Urban Stages, they have a series in the winter called Winter Rhythms. And Francis Hill and Sue Matsuki um, and Tom Toast um, because I had three successful shows there before, in, in previous seasons, they said, what have you got up your sleeve? Mm. And I had been um, contacted during the COVID hiatus from a lot of actors. Do you have any material I could prepare uh, on the, in, during this time when I got nothing much to do? And so um, December, in, last December, I did a uh, an evening and an afternoon of story songs in which every one of these actors, um, young, um, a whole bunch of wonderful newcomers and a whole bunch of great veterans, they all did their numbers. And um, one of the few um, holdover producers of show albums, Jay, uh, John Yak of J Records, saw the show and loved it. And between performances, we went to a studio and recorded everyone's great performances. And today is the official launch. So yes, thank you for being here. And we have a clip. Uh, one of the songs that's on this CD uh, is sung by our mutual friend, uh, Maureen Taylor. Actually, this is another album. Uh, these story songs are all over four minutes. But... Um, Maureen um, did a cabaret show that was up for now, a Why did you send me a song that's not on the uh, CD? Because that was the only one under four minutes. <laughs> Everything else is over four minutes. Um, but well, I'm not um, going to hear a song from other lives. Okay. Okay. Uh, Which is what I thought we were going to be doing. I Yeah. Uh, well, um, 
as I told you, I'm not allowed to do that without the actor's permission, and I didn't have time to get that. So, um, but this this is just typical. Maureen is on the album of Other Lives, and this is a sample of her show and the sample of the of, of the work I do as a lyricist. So we will listen to a song that is not from Other Lives, everyone, uh, but that's show business, and uh, and then we will bring on our next guest. Uh, this is not from Other Lives, uh, the show that is launching today. Uh, but Maureen, uh, we love you anyway, and here you are. When people ask, is there a God? What is the proof? The lightning rod. What lets me see that he or she gave us this world I love so? I just know the wonder of the baby's face, the grand design of time and space, as nature shines and sends us signs, God's there to guide as we go, I just know. know that I love Maureen Taylor <laughs> and I love that song it's great it's a great song it's too bad that you didn't put it on this CD anyway Michael oh, it's <laughs> really I had to get clearance and I didn't have and, and most of the songs are over four minutes I sent you one that was four minutes and you said it was too long no it's too long because we want to get our next guest on here yeah. and we're going to find out if he is a beach person he truly is one of my favorite people in this business, uh, and I'm lucky to have him today. We're all lucky to have him today because he's the busiest uh, person in show business. Uh, he's always working. Uh, when he's not 
Doris Deer. He's Ray DeForest. Uh, and today we get him as Ray DeForest. Uh, and uh, hello, Ray. Other lives. There you are. Hi, hey, Ray. I'm good. I th- Oh, my God. I have so much. First of all, I want to I'm celebrating flip flop day as well with my custom Doris Deer flip flop. That I'm wearing. Now, how do, you, how do the rest of us get Doris Deer flip flop? <laughs> you can go to you can go on my website and go to my store because you know it's all about merch, darling. You I have know to have merch. You merch. know it's all about the merch. It's all about the merch. You know, I'm going to get some Doris Deer flip flops and I'm going to wear them, and I'm going to wear them all over Provincetown. Yes, you, and I just came back from Provincetown. You know, talk about that. Yeah, I want to begin first of all. Uh, I have a picture of you on the beach ah! <laughs> oh for that waist you <laughs> well you haven't changed a bit you not, yes. that is 1963 long beach island where my family we would summer in long beach island in new jersey so let me ask you, first of all, had you performed in Provincetown before? No, that was my first time performing. I got invited to the Cabaret Festival and I taught a two and a half hour class. And then I coached several singers. And then it's it's quite a week. You end up no. doing a lot of things. I did a show which got, first I was on Saturday night for 70 minutes. Then the club made a mistake. And then all of a sudden I got there and it got moved to Thursday night, but only 45 minutes. I had to rewrite the entire brand new show. It was so crazy. But you know what? In the long run, it was an unbelievable experience. It was a great way to go to uh, P-Town and get introduced because there might be a few drag queens in P-Town doing shows. I want to tell you, I was the headliner at the very first Cabaret Fest. And this was before Patricia Fitzpatrick, who does a a yeoman's job uh, with everything because it does a lot. I don't know if she's watching. If she is, we bow to her because I don't know how she does it. Uh, But it is a lot of work. And I'll tell you, I mean, the first time that I went to Provincetown, was in 1998. This was pre-Danny. And I went to meet someone that I was dating at the time. I stepped off the bus and I was in the middle of Carnival, which is in August. Oh, yeah. uh, (laughs) There were rainbow flags everywhere. And I felt like I had stepped into gay Disneyland. And uh, it was the most magical, wonderful place that I had ever been in my life. And what was so wonderful about it was that every single night I saw Jimmy James. I saw an incredible entertainer uh, named Randy Allen, who was no longer with us. Uh, and I saw uh, Big Ed, who is no longer with us. And I saw so many entertainers that unfortunately are no longer with us. Yeah. And But every single night I sat in the audience and I kept saying, I want to be here. I want to perform. And there is nothing like performing in Provincetown. I don't know what your experience was like there, but um, for most artists that go into Provincetown, you have to hawk your show. Was that your experience as well? So we did not have to do that for Cabaret Fest. Um, It was our shows. Every show was absolutely packed to the rafters. 
They redid, so we, it was held this year at the Crown and Anchor. The Crown and Anchor just redid their cabaret room. It's really quite lovely. And it has one of the best sound systems I have ever sung on. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And we were just packed and it was just such a great experience. Plus, you know, I know so many of the um, wonderful artists up there who are doing shows in drag and I got to see so many of their shows and it was just the whole experience was, and I've been up there many times. We go up there, a, a very close friend of ours, uh, John lives up there and we go up there quite often. And it's such a beautiful village on the water. It's so picturesque. And you know, that first week of June, like the climbing roses are blooming everywhere. These cottages, it's just something that you kind of, imagine it to be and it's that and more and it's just magical i would get up in the morning which you know i don't normally do and <laughs> i would just go and walk low tide would be in and you could walk way out and the boats are sitting on the on the sand because the waters and there's crabs and, and you just walk along the water it's so beautiful and the sun comes up it's just pure pure magic in in so many ways uh michael have you ever been to provincetown um, I think I had a projection there of uh, They Chose Me, my musical about adoption is seen through the eyes of kids. So um, that was my, I, and, I, and it was a lovely, lovely experience. Yeah, it's just uh, beautiful. Ray, if you were to pick three top things in Provincetown that you absolutely, you know, are, are must-dos for everyone that goes to Provincetown, in addition to going to the post office cafe on August 5th. <laughs> what are those must do things that everyone must do when they go to Provincetown? Well, you, if we agree. Yeah, you, you have to go along the dock, the main pier and get a lobster roll because it's delicious. And then you just get it, you walk up to the window, you get your lobster roll and coleslaw and just sit on a bench. And it just, you know, especially in the afternoon, it's beautiful as the sun is kind of setting. You just have a lobster roll. There's nothing better. Um, except I, for the lobster. Except for, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think you a must do is you have to go for a walk. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's Commercial Boulevard where everything is, but you have to go for a walk. You have to go the blocks behind and just it's a must do. You it's must walking, walk. It's a walking town. And you have to see these beautiful cottages that, you know, have been upkept since the, you know, their 1800s built their fish. They were fishermen cottages and they're just so beautiful. And if you don't walk around through those blocks off of commercial or the other end of town, you just would never even experience them. And they're so beautiful. And I think you just have to go to shows. I mean, I saw uh, my my friend Tina Burner. We we shared the same musical director. She was on RuPaul's Drag Race. I went and saw her show. It's at the Crown and Anchor, and it was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. She's an incredibly she's an incredible singer. Um, her and my musical director Blake, who is her musical director, who plays live. Uh, Blake and, Allen, uh, everyone. Yeah, um, they he plays keyboards, and they wrote. It's all about Broadway and they, lo they wrote parody lyrics and it's hilarious. I said to her, I don't know how they do it. She's singing, tap dancing, changing clothes four times, jumping up and down. I'm like, 
And is she there for the whole summer? Whole summer. I will, yeah, ha- I will check her out. I will yeah, definitely she's check her so out. fantastic. Please let her know. I'd love to have her come on the show. Yeah, she's terrific. She is. Sounds like Ann Miller. Oh, it was like unbelievable. I was like, I said to her, how do you do this? She was like, well, you just do it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's why I'm 65 and she's like 35. <laughs> so, you know, come on. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Great stuff. Uh, did you see? And did you see any other shows that you were there? Um, of course, you saw the shows because of Cabaret Fest. Well, yeah. I mean, my gosh, there were three and four shows a day for Cabaret Fest that it was just like never ending. I was so, it, I was so exhausted. I mean, you're going to shows constantly and getting up and, you know, teaching and doing all this stuff. I mean, I, I saw so many artists locally, locals from um, Boston who did shows and. Of course, there was Meg Flather and Karen yes. Mack and Elliot and uh, Marty Millet. I mean, there were so many people. Warren Shine. Um, I mean, it was just, it, it was like nonstop. It was so amazing. And it was just really, really special. I happened to, when we took our vacation last year, we happened to get there on the last night of Cabaret Fest. We saw Natalie Douglas and Karen Mason, and it was just, it's just a great, great time uh, to be there. Anyone, if you're planning your vacations, you know, it's a great uh, great time to, uh, to be there. Um, may I get a little political with you, Ray? Do you mind? Of course. Um, this is Pride Month. And mm-hmm. uh, are you doing anything uh, for Pride Month here in New York? So, I I mean, you know, look, I I, I came out in 1974. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, one of my best friends was Larry Kramer. Um, So for me not to sort of take a political stance after all these years, you know, I have no choice. Otherwise, Larry would be screaming from his grave. Mm -hmm. Um, I am part of the committee for my, I work, um, I'm on the national LGBTQ uh, board for SAG-AFTRA will be marching in the parade. So we've been working and arranging on that. We're marching with equity. So we're- Yeah, in- which is- Union strong. Union strong. I've been marching for, with, in, you know, with the WGA and we're in our negotiations now. Um, and then every day on my Facebook, on Ray DeForest's Facebook, um, I ha- I, for years now, I post, do you know your pride? So starting June 1st, every day on my Facebook, I post a piece of Pride history because it's so important to not ever lose uh, the fight that we've been through, especially politically now where um, many states, where 17 states are passing anti-drag laws. Um, so it's what very is, important. What's the history that you posted today? Uh, today's post, oh my gosh, today's post was kind of a heavy post. It was... Um, Hold on, let me think, because I post so many of these. Uh, Today's post was, um, I talked about uh, the the Pride Parade, and I talked um, uh, about the 1970 uh, one-year anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, the Gay Liberation Front organized a march. I talked about the Christopher Street Liberation Day was celebrated with the Parade from Stonewall Inn. Uh, about the, some of the people in the parade um, that have been interviewed and what they talked about. I also, uh, in 2011, the presidential pl- proclamation delivered by President Obama, Obama officially designated June to be LGBT Pride Month. 
And then, of course, <laughs> in 2018, the White House refused to recognize the LGBTQ community. Um, and in 2020, the POTUS said no embassy may fly the gay flag. Hmm. Mr. Trump, in 2019, the Trump Justice Department made the most aggressive anti-gay legal uh, argument to date, urging the Supreme Court to rule that gay employees are not protected under the long-standing act that prohibits sex discrimination, but it lost. And are you aware that he is selling LGBTQ merchandise? On yes, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Of course, then Joe Biden um, passed um, in June 2021. Uh, um, uh, he passed that June would be the Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, and Queer Pride Month. Um, so, I, I mean, it seems just like every step we go forward, we, we go backward. Every, every rights, whether you're in the LGBT community, the people of color community, the Jewish community, all of our communities are constantly being attacked, which is why I post every day a piece of our history, because you, we, we must always remember the fight that it took us to get here, because there are many people that are willing to reverse us back to where we were. So and Michael, really you are an ally of our community, so I will put that out there. Absolutely. Thank you. I mean, uh, first of all, um, I was very much, um, three of my best friends were um, uh, one of the, were among the first AIDS victims. And um, one of them died and I, I cried for a year. Um, and my son is gay. And uh, being Jewish, I'm also aware of what's going on. Uh, the anti In fact, I was um, hacked yesterday uh, on my Facebook page by someone who put um, anti-Semitic photos on it. And uh, I mean, I, I grew up and I was pretty much an all-American Jew. I didn't face much anti-Semitism, but I am. I'm terrified right now. It's really scary. It's really scary. I mean, look, I'm doing shows as Doris Deer, and I, I mean, I have to think about it. I, I, I've been invited to. Um, I'm from Staten Island, plus my show's right itself. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, and that's true. That's true. There, there's a lot to tell about Staten Island. Island is famous for you, so does it. So that. <laughs> well, two things that I want to say. First of all, uh, you know, it's been. Uh, 10 years since I last appeared as Carol Channing. Uh, the last time I appeared in Provincetown, I was performing as Carol. Uh, for 20 years, I performed, and none of this stuff ever happened. Uh, I performed in uh, March at Crazy Ann Helens in Washington, D.C., and on Sunday afternoons, they do drag time story hour, and or no, they do a drag uh, brunch on Sundays. And when I performed on Saturday night, and I did not know this until after the fact, they got a bomb threat at the menu. Not because, specifically because of my show, but because of what was happening the next day as part of this uh, cabaret festival that was going on there that week. Um, that's number one. Number two, Danny and I have been uh, together for 34 uh, years. We have been legally wed uh, for 21 years. And um, there is a, for the first time, uh, there was a, a man down the street 
who has an, I'm not going to use the word, an F. Biden uh, flag uh, uh, hanging from his front porch. Uh, And I can see it when I walk out the front door. Um, Directly in front of our house, our church, has a uh, LGBTQ flag uh, welcoming everyone to its church. Uh, thank God. And that is what I focus on instead of what's down the street. Uh, but I go, you know, 34 years I've lived here and this is the first time that I've seen hatred on Valentine Avenue where I live. Uh, you know, so it's uh, uh, we and everyone has to get political now. Everyone. I don't care who you are. And yeah, it's very important. I, I, I spoke uh, last month. I spoke um at Fordham Law School here in New York City on um, the sort of the state, the drag, anti-drag laws and uh, gender and um, and the gender issues that we're all facing. It was an amazing day, very political. Um, it's scary. We have 17 states passing anti-drag laws. The Proud Boys showed up in Brooklyn, um, in Chicago. In, uh, it was, I think, Chicago. They, uh, a, a group of Nazis showed up with swastikas on their arms. Chelsea. Yeah. Recently. Yeah, recently. And I mean, it's getting, it's very scary. And I mean, you can say what you want. I, I, I'm so disappointed in our political systems right now. You can, you can all disagree. It's always been party politics. But the fact that, we had a president that made it okay to put hate forward the way it has been put forward and it, it and become acceptable. It, it just blows my mind that anybody thinks that that's okay. And you can, you, we can all have different political beliefs. We all have many different beliefs about many things, but to allow, to allow the kind of hate that is out there just is, I, I just can't even believe it sometimes. And I, I, you know, it's terrible. So I can say that both uh, Ray and Doris, uh, depending on whatever persona you're wearing, and Michael too, yeah. we're all about love. We celebrate love. We share love yeah. uh, that comes through and the work that we put out there. And uh, I want to, you know, focus a little bit on a little a love right now. And I want to sh- share a couple of things. First of all, getting back to Flip Flop Day. <laughs> I I grew up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and there was a great movie, if you've never seen it, called Shag. Oh, yeah. Uh, you've seen it? Of course. Yes, which uh, was filmed in Myrtle Beach. It, it's all about the dance craze, Shag, which yep. was a big... My parents, I saw Shag. Um, and no, it's not what you think, folks. <laughs> I, saw, I saw my parents do this dance when I was growing up. And also tonight on TCM, uh, it's a stormy night here in New York. It's going to be thunderstorms. Stay home, watch Turner Classic Movies because Beach Blanket Bingo is on tonight. One of my favorites. My favorite movies. And I am with my old, my old friend, uh, Annette Funicello. Was she actually a friend of yours? Well, I mean, I, I was like a fake Mouseketeer for Disney and Annette would go on the road with us on occasion. Wow. And it was right before she got sick and then she started not showing, not coming with us. And then we found out she had MS, which she then right. suffered for, for a long time. But yeah, she was great. She was always, always talking about Walt and you kids have to behave. And we were like, us kids are 22. <laughs> you yeah. know? Do either of you know what happened on this date in 1978? 
Mm, no. Someone was born. What was that? Someone was born. I well, a, a movie opened. Oh. Uh, a, a, a movie that uh, was like the... Star well, Wars? No, no, no. no. Um, it, you know, it had a beach theme almost, but it was a huge, Jaws. huge, huge no. Where um, the boys are. No, not 1978. <laughs> uh, do you give up? Yeah. If anyone guesses watching, I'm going to show you. Here it is. Oh, yeah, wow. Well. On this date in 1978. So uh, big. Uh, uh, did you, either of you see it when it first came oh, around? Oh, I remember I was at University of 1978. I was at University of Maryland and I went on a date. And a, a, a young, beautiful gentleman took me on a date and we waited online outside of a Washington, D.C. theater and saw Greece. Well, I knew a lot about the history besides reading the book. It started in Chicago and it was very grungy. And uh, Polly Penn, who was in my show, Charlotte Sweet, was in it. And then um, Kenny Waisman saw it and wanted to revamp it. And he brought in a whole new com company. I think he did offered to Mary Lou Hannah, who was in the... Yeah, that's right. Uh, and he offered her to... Uh, she had an opportunity to invest in it. Yeah. And she said the biggest regret of her life <laughs> is that she said, this is never going to go anywhere. Well, years later, um, Kenny, um, when I was working at the Musical Theater Lab, the first organization, nonprofit, to develop music musicals, that's where um, Alfred Urey, when he was about to give up his career... Uh, got a boost from the Robert Bridegroom. Anyway, everyone wanted um, uh, Ken Waisman to pick up their show. And then I did my showcase of Charlotte Sweet, and he off offered to produce it, but he wanted to bring in his own company like he did Grease. And I turned him down because I was not going to turn my back on, on, on the people that were so responsible for it. Mm -hmm. And Ken and I are friends now, but I've never regretted that. Well, good for you. You know, you know, sometimes you have to hold on uh, to, but, you know, years ago, Dodie Goodman and I were very close friends and we were performing at Georgian uh, College uh, in Tom's River. And the day that we were doing the show, and this was before I had a cell phone, I don't even think that cell phones existed at that time, but I was heading to her home uh, and then we had a car service that was going to take us uh, to the college and I'm on the bus and someone, unfortunately, uh, this is the tragic part of the story, jumped off the George Washington Bridge that day. So traffic was backed up. By the time I got to Doty, we were already going to be late. So we, the driver was like speeding to get to the college. And we were pulled over by a cop. And the driver said, I'm sorry, officer, but I have Jody Goodman and Carol Channing in the backseat of the car. I wasn't dressed as Carol, but Jody Goodman <laughs> rolled the window down and she said, I was in Greece. And he said, oh, I recognize you. And he let us go. <laughs> she was so wonderful. It was so, uh -oh. you know. Gremlins. Uh, good friends. So I'm going to have a little fun with both of you. We're going to talk about creativity and process and all of that. Um, Am but I the only one whose screen is freezing? Uh, no, I think it, you know, it happens. It goes through waves. But Ray, when you, you said that you recently taught uh, in, uh, in Provincetown, what was the uh, crux or the thrust of your uh, class, if you will? And, uh, uh, is this something that you will be doing again? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I'm 
So it was a it was a really great class, two and a half hours. It was called um, Cabaret Business from Voice to Body to Mind and Making It Work as One. Um, so, it, you know, I had two and a half hours and in two and a half hours, you can only get so much done. But, you know, it was an overview. I think, in, you know, look, in cabaret, it's hard to make a living in cabaret. I'm very, very lucky that I have a good following and I actually make a living doing cabaret along with acting and, and other stuff. But um, so a lot of cabaret people, um, you know, they, they do it because they want to, but they end up spending a lot of money and not making money off tickets. So it was, a, it was sort of a quick lesson in business. I talked to them about what an elevator pitch was, what a bio is. To, you know, I, I'm always amazed that like when I do my Christmas show, you've been to it many times when I have all these guests and then I have to do promo work and I try to find a decent picture headshot of them or a bio of them. And these are people who do Broadway and the opera and there's nothing. They don't I, have websites. They don't have. And you're like, and you know this because you go through this. And I'm like, how can you be in this business and not? These are basic tools, basic tools that my agents back in the 80s said, okay, headshots, bios, you know, as soon as you could get your own website, get a website. I mean, these are kind of basic tools if you want to work in the business. So we went through that. But then we then we talked about, you know, Doris Deer, I created nine years ago and my mother was passing from Alzheimer's. I was, you know, 56 years old. I'd never, I had not really done drag. And I created this character. It's just a character for me. I'm an actor. Um, and it just worked because I'm a storyteller almost before. A, I'm a, I've been a singer my whole life, but I'm a storyteller. So it was just a, it was just a device to do storytelling. And now it's like 90% of my career when I thought it would be one night. And you know what that's like? You do something and then it takes off. Well, ride the wave. Who knows where it's going? And this is going really well for me. Um, so we, I, we talked a lot about, um, I had people sing the one song they brought to class and we talked about how to find the story within a song and how to find their own character for when they do shows. Because even if you're playing yourself, even if I'm doing Ray in a show, it's still a theatrical version of who I am. It may be real life stories and stuff, but Liza it's- Liza Minnelli, excuse me, said that Liza Minnelli on stage is a character that she created. Right, absolutely. And, and it's hard because you have to find the balance between a character and authenticity, especially in cabaret, because you're like three feet from the people. It's not like being on a Broadway stage where it's all very sort of, you know, mm -hmm. uh, separate. One exception was Kitty Carlisle. She was just as lovely and gracious, and that was her persona. What you saw yeah. is how she was, and it was like like the ultimate good version of that. Yeah, I mean, I always say Doris Deer is the nicer version of Ray DeForest. But I want to, you know, jump in here, Ray. Uh, the thing about you is that first of all, you are a, an incredible businessman. You and I have had many conversations um, about you have fought uh, for what is right and ethical um, in terms of what you deserve 
what you desire and what you require um, for your success in this business. And that's part of the, the package as well. When I was performing uh, as Carol Channing, um, and I made a very good living at it, and uh, and hopefully getting back to what I'm doing, I'm, I'm using the same skill set uh, to do this. Uh, when someone said, are you going to bring it to New York? And I said, yes, when someone produces me, because I'm in this to make money at this. Um, and I'm not going to... The paradigm of New York City cabaret, unfortunately, and... The, our community has done this. And I say our, because we're all responsible. We've mm -hmm. all had a hand in this. I don't care who you are. Um, we have hung ourselves in terms of what we have allowed to happen in cabaret. When well, we, we are not- The added problems of surviving COVID and economics that have spiraled out of control. But Michael, when a venue um, will send a, an email to a performer to tell the performer that they have no uh, audience. Mm -hmm. And the venue uh, could very easily, it takes very little effort. Right. Uh, to, I have a newsletter. Ray DeForest has a newsletter. You have a newsletter, I think, or you have, do an e-blast. It takes very little effort to send out a, an e-blast uh, saying this is who is appearing on our stage tonight. Mm -hmm. uh, and it takes very little effort to send out a newsletter saying this is who is appearing here this week. And if the clubs, and this is my little rant on this, would have 15 quality acts instead of 150 acts that can't bring in an audience, uh, then the paradigm is going to shift and it's going to change. Uh, you don't see that happening at the Carlisle. You don't see it happening at 54 Below, but you see it happening in these other rooms. And the other rooms, with all due respect, because I know how difficult it is to run these rooms, um, it takes very little effort to push a button and send out an e-blast. Um, and uh, West Bank, because they are floundering, have picked up on this, and they are starting to do it. I get a newsletter each week, and I thank them. I go, you make it easy for me. And when I get this, I can go on and say, you know, I can bring these people on my show and I can do a group show and I can talk about what's going on uh, in cabaret. And there are ways that we can all work together to make it succeed. Uh, but what happens is that every time someone says, I'm not going to work under those conditions, there are 25 people waiting in the wings who will say, I am willing to do it for the exposure and they will do it. And those things don't get fixed. And I get asked every time I go to see someone's show at Chelsea stage, green room 42, they'll come up and say, what do we have to do to get you booked here? And I tell them what I, what my deal is. And then they look at me and go, Oh no, we can't possibly do that. Well, that's why I stay where I stay. And I worked at, I did a full year at 54 below. And quite honestly, it's a beautiful room. It was the most miserable experience I ever had at a club. It was horrible. And I couldn't make any money there. I mean, there is prestige because, look, if you want a career, you have to make those choices sometimes. I can do a place, maybe not make any money, but I'm going to be in front of an audience that has never seen me. And that increases my audience in ways that that's the reason to do the show. Or... There, you know, there's all different reasons, but 
you know, it's, it's so hard and it's all put on the artist. That's what I don't like. What I don't like is that, uh, you know, 54 below was, I'm, I'm doing my tech in at 3 PM on show day and they're, they're sending me text messages. Have you done enough press? We need more tickets from you. Like, I'm like, I, I'm in tech. Can you leave me alone? What have you done? And meanwhile, let me just say that 54 Below holds like 142 people and I averaged like 120 tickets per show and it wasn't enough. And then they told me, we can't afford to have you. We can't make enough money off you. Yeah, like it was like so crazy. Meanwhile, I'm almost selling out. I mean, the clubs are, it's just so tough and I get it. There's that side that the economics of running a club in New York City anymore, it's super expensive. The rent between the rent and the salaries for staff and all of that kind of stuff, I get it. But they do nothing to really promote us. And yes, okay, they'll send an email blast. But there's so many people on that email blast sometimes. Who's scrolling? You know, when you're at the bottom, people don't even get to see you half the time. It's a very hard situation which is why people like you and all of us here on here today take it upon ourselves. I, we, we all have our lists. I have a big list. You have a big list. I send, those, I send those emails out. And I have people say, like, you send a lot of emails out. Yes, I do, because I have a show coming up in 30 days and I have to, I have to fill that room. And we know that's what it takes. I spend my own money. I take ads on Facebook. I pay for ads on Instagram. I pay for those ads out of my own pocket because the clubs don't do it. And I had a club tell me, a 22-year-old person in charge of marketing for a club said to me, well, honey, you probably don't understand how Google Analytics work. <laughs> and I said, honey... I was a tester for Google Analytics ads for entertainers when they first started them before you were born. So I think I know how Google Analytics work way better than you do. But it's just, it's, it's the a wrong person. Again, I want to say that I respect the positions of every person out there. Of course. And of I, course. I desire for every single room in New York City to be operating at capacity. Um, I went the other night to see uh, Goldie DeVere. By the way, she's got another performance, uh, I think on Sunday night. Go, go, go. One of the best shows I've seen in a long, long time. I absolutely loved her show. James Beeman did a, an incredible job directing her. Um, I can't see as many shows as I would like to see because of the economics. Uh, and uh, uh, even when we're, you know, if someone says, oh, we'll comp you in, uh, it's gas and tolls and parking and all these other things. Um, and uh, I, uh, no, I don't hate anyone, Pam. I don't, I don't. Because they are doing, they are working within the paradigm of what they think they know. And I respect that. Um, it's not always, it's, but I am saying that there are ways of working around that. Um, but uh, it, it's an expensive night out. And now on top of everything else, because Danny and I live in Rockland County, um, they are trying to pass, uh, you know, a law that anything, oh. or 
if we come into the city, there's going to be an expense to come into the city because we don't have a New York City license plate. Uh, and, you know, there it, it's it constantly adds up and adds up and adds up. And uh, it's really hard. And look, it's expensive. It's expensive. My Christmas show, I have six piece or I have a six piece orchestra. And, and some of those uh, musicians double up. I have seven to nine guests who I pay to be in my show. Plus I have to rehearse. And, you know, it's not cheap just to get to that opening night is not cheap for me. I mean, I'm laying out a lot of money in hopes that I'll recoup it. And I'm very lucky that that Christmas show has developed the following it does. I do very well. The Triad Theater is like family to me. They're so wonderful when I got COVID and canceled two nights before three it's nights eight. sold out. Tonight um, on Chelsea Pier, uh, Marilyn Lester, they were supposed to do a Tin Pan Alley event tonight mm -hmm. uh, that uh, with uh, Danny Bucker uh, and Danny and I were going to go in tonight to see this. It was a free event on the pier. Well, guess what? The weather is bad. It got canceled, and they didn't have a rain date. Uh, so I don't have to feel guilty. I go to see everything Danny's doing, and I said I can't go tonight. Well, no, no. well, there is. Well, uh, see, uh, it's karma. You can't go, and it's not happening. It's but, all Michael's fault. Yeah. <laughs> they knew he couldn't come. No, it's hard, though. I, it's hard. I, I think blame it on the bossa nova or me. Yeah. You know, and and I know with you, Michael and Ray, and especially you, Michael, because you um, have uh, written for so many people. You've done shows that so many artists have appeared in, and Ray, so many artists have appeared in your shows, uh, both your uh, virtual uh, show and uh, your live shows. That on any given night, every if if the if the three of us went to see a show every night this week. Uh, and we saw two shows in a, every night this week, we still wouldn't see everything that's out there. Or on one given night, you can have three of those people you want to be supportive of. And, it, and it's it, hard. It is, Look, it's really hard. It's expensive. I mean, you know, I, clubs say to me, we, I, we, you should charge more for your ticket. And I'm like, okay, it's all, you know, like before you know it, with the two drink minimum or whatever the minimums are, it's $100 a person night. And that's not cheap. And if they're coming from like Long Island or Staten Island or, or upstate, <laughs> now you've got gas and parking. And if they want to have dinner, it's expensive. You're, they're spending what they could buy. They could go to the TKTS booth and get a Broadway ticket. I mean, it's yeah. really tough. I'll tell you a very interesting story. Years ago, I get a phone call from Tommy Toon's assistant, Peter, and he calls me in the afternoon and he said, we need you to do your magic because Tommy doesn't have an audience. This is Tommy Toon, everyone. Uh, Tommy doesn't have an audience tonight at the Carlisle. And uh, I go, well, who's doing his press? Well, the, they really haven't done that much tonight. To get, you know. And I said, okay, let me see what I can do. Now, Marta Sanders and Gordon and Danny and I were going out to dinner that night at a nice little Italian restaurant on 46th Street. And uh, I called Marta and I said, Marta, how would you like to go to the Carlisle tonight to see Tommy Toon? And before you say anything, it's on me. And she said, well, I can't argue with that. Of course we'll go. So um, 
I call, we go, and I'm making phone calls all afternoon. Please go see Tommy. Well, Danny and I were comped in for the show. We still paid for dinner. And I picked up Gordon and Marta's uh, cover and their dinner. And it was $700. And I thought Danny was going to have a heart attack when he saw me (laughs) sign the check. Um, It was an expensive night out. And he said, you can't do that again. And uh, and I said, well, I couldn't ask. Gordon offered to even pay for his drinks. I said, no, you are my guest tonight. And, you know, and then, you know, and then, uh, you know, even to go into a room uh, that, you know, uh, if, if you want to take friends out and you want to treat them, it's cost prohibitive to do that. Yeah, it's really uh, it, it, it's, it's outrageous. And take my friends out once in a while. Yeah, you want and look, I want people in my shows. I want them to, you know, come in and do it. And it's just tough. And the and the the clubs obviously have to make their money. It's an again, New York's expensive. So, you know, they keep changing the the minimums from a lot of places had two drink minimums, which could include water and soda. So you could sort of edge out a little cheaper. But then it became some places it's a $25 minimum where in certain clubs I've worked, a drink is $22. So guess what? Now you got to buy two. Now you're at $44 plus a tip, plus a thing. Now you're over a hundred dollars a person. Then oh, go ahead, Michael. I'm sorry. There's the other side of that. I was very close to Julie Wilson and Sylvia Sims. And at the Algonquin, there were nights where um, Julie Wilson would, play to two or three people and she would give it her all. I went to uh, Sylvia Sims opening night in Atlantic City. Sinatra had gotten her in. There were three people there and she was brilliant. She was brilliant. You knew what, you know, how how she must have felt. But, uh, you know, it's just how it's not easy to have that built in audience with the astronomical costs and uh, and the competition. It's just you got to be a real warrior. Uh, you have to be a warrior. And I will say this for anyone out there, if any club owners are watching this, uh, I, I, you know, I love when I can go to a supper club and have dinner. Uh, but these venues where, you know, I don't drink and the two drink minimum is antiquated. It has to be wiped off the slate altogether. Get rid of it. Uh, have, a, have a flat fee that includes... Uh, a drink in that. Um, I used to perform at a place called the Brad Stan Inn in the Catskills. One of my favorite places to perform. Uh, they charged a $35 cover. Oh, uh, and in that $35 cover, you could have either a, a dessert oh. or a non-alcoholic beverage. If you had a cocktail um, or a beer, you had to pay extra for that. A glass of wine was included because let's face it, the wine that they're serving in these yeah. is, yeah. is not top of the line. It, it should be and, used for salad. Yeah, right. <laughs> Before we go, uh, I, Michael, you first of all, and then I'm going to give you each a, a chance to have your final word, but this is not it right now. Uh, okay. Michael, uh, something, and it could be other lives, anything you want to plug right now and how, People can get in touch with you. And I'm going to have the information on my YouTube channel as well. So anything you want to plug right I, now. I have 
I've gone from the slumps of nothing to now being really rich with activities besides um, other lives, which uh, the fact that, uh, that, that John Yeko picked it up and just wanted to do it, uh, it that was like a miracle to me. But uh, I've become so popular at urban stages that um, Francis Hill has asked me to write two shows for next year um, at the um, uh, Winter Rhythms. The first one is going to be Knights of the Algonquin, Knights of the Algonquin, which is going to be their gala. It's going to be a celebration with stars of the Algonquin, from Steve Ross to um, to to to, to um, Katie um, Sullivan, um, Jeff uh, Harner, um, just. Uh, all these wonderful people, and I, and I and I'm throwing in Natalie Douglas so she'll sing a song of mine. <laughs> and um, then the other the other show I'm doing there is created at the Algonquin, which are shows that were in part or fully written at the Algonquin, like uh, My Fair Lady and Camelot, and Noel Coward's uh, Sail Away, and My Charlotte Sweet, and a few others. And it's going to be a wonderful event. And um, I've got so many things happening, some of which I can't announce yet, but I-, I, I Well, send them to me and I will get them all announced. You know, I will. I, I, I am just, my, my, my cup not, not only runneth over, but it's flooding my uh, balcony. Anyway. And, if you, and if you tune in to Mrs. Maisel, you can see the drunken yeah. Michael Colby. I saw the clip. <laughs> you know, I have, I'm a non-drinker and I have a drunk scene on that. I scene. know, and you do it brilliantly too, I might add. Uh, Ray, uh, and tell everybody, of course, about your incredible series. Uh, that's just wonderful. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so um, Broadway On Demand, we are in season four. Um, I do a, a show, Doris Steers Girl Talk, where I tell stories, make cocktails, and interview amazing people. This is our fourth season, which we just won our third telly award for. I'm very excited. This year, this season, I had Sandy Duncan, her husband, Don Correa, and just a host. The, you can watch the first three seasons are on my YouTube channel for free. Broadway on demand. You have to pay for season four. Um, it's just been a great experience doing that. And then coming up in um, October 14th, I'm at the St. George Theater. I am going home to Staten Island, the most conservative place, part of New York City. Um, the St. George Theater has invited me to do my show over at the St. George Theater, which wow. is quite amazing, on Saturday, October 14th. And then I am bringing the new, my new show, my Slightly Sondheim show, which I just did in uh, P-Town. Um, I'm bringing that to the Triad Theater on September 22nd at 7 p.m. And then, of course, I have my fabulous Christmas show December in mid-December at the Triad Theater. And I'm teaching at the Count Basie Theater Center down in New Jersey this summer for their summer theater camp. Um, it's amazing. It's like crazy. I love it. I love. I love being That's busy. Great. That's. I love it all. Um, don't go anywhere because I'm going to give you each a chance to give your final word today. And your final word can be about anything it want you want it to be. It could be about anything that we spoke about that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you want to leave everyone with today. Um, once again, everyone, uh, go to uh, Ray DeForest's uh, website, Doris Deer's uh, website, and order flip-flops. <laughs> Doris Deer flip-flops. Show them up again. Wait. <laughs>
So buy the flip-flops and then come to uh, Provincetown, wear your flip-flops uh, and, uh, you know, and uh, I, you know, I'll throw in a Richard Skipper Celebrates mug to go with the flip-flops uh, at the show. Uh, I'm going to be there on August 5th, which is my 44th anniversary of arriving in New York. And this show is going to be, I'm taking questions from the audience, but it's really going to be about my years uh, performing in Provincetown. And I've got some hilarious stories um, about uh, the ups and downs of what it's like to perform in Provincetown. And uh, I hope that you'll be there. Ray, tell everybody you know in Provincetown, uh, send them my way. Um, and uh, I'll return the favor for you as well, uh, always. Um, I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Please pick up the phone and call someone you haven't spoken to in a while. Uh, not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know that they've made a difference in your life. And trust me, you'll make a difference in their life by doing so. Uh, I have a dear friend, Sean Moniker. He says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different sized boats. And I always say, I don't care what size boat you're on, as long as you have a skipper by your side and with that, I'm gonna leave, and i'm going to you michael <laughs> and uh, when you finish it's yours ray and when you say uh, so long the final credits will roll i love you both so much i want to thank you both for the gifts that you give to our community and that you're going to continue to give thank you thank you thank you it's well, all yours michael my message is this is a time where narcissism is running wild and you have to look beyond yourself, not just call the people who can help you, but think of the people who have helped you, who may need to hear from you right now. Uh, I, I've called people who I've thought are among the great talents of all time who are now going through hard times and have reminded them how much their performance, their friendship, their just essence has meant to me and other people. So um, I, I, I just really want to, to reach out right now. It's a tough time for many. And even I, I don't mention all the good, I don't mention to them all the good things that are happening to me. I just say it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful time and I owe so much to you. Awesome. Well, first, I want to say that I have very big boats. <laughs> and if you've been to my Facebook, you see my shoe collection. Um, uh, thank you, Richard, for this. Um, I would recommend, since it is National Flip-Flop Day, put on your flip-flops, take a walk on the beach, take them off, wiggle your feet in the sand, and just look at the water. It's been proven that taking in the view of the water, hearing the sound of the water... Um, it brings a calming, positive state of mind. And I think we could all use a little more positive state of mind. So relax, take a deep breath, let the salt come into you and smile. Let's all smile a little more. I'm sending hugs and love from Ray DeForest and Doris Deer. Thank you. <laughs>